What's good, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the World Class Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rouse, coming to you from my hometown of Chicago, Illinois, getting ready to give you another segment, another another segment of thoughts on my beloved Chicago Bulls. I know it's been a long time since I've, ju- since I've dropped one of these Thoughts on the Bulls segments, but after witnessing last night's game against the Philadelphia 76ers, which resulted in a... 127-105 loss at the hands of the number one team in the Eastern Conference. The Chicago Bulls now fall to 16-19 and on the 2020-2021 NBA season. As a result, they now fall to 11th place in the Eastern Conference. And in, in an Eastern Conference where you really can't afford, you really can't afford to lose a game in the Eastern Conference because right now the Bulls, are in 11th place, which at the moment puts them just outside of the play-in, the play-in round behind the Indiana Pacers, who are in 10th place right now. But in the Eastern Conference right now, I, I, I remember about, I think it was about two two weeks ago, the Bulls were in sixth place, and I know they, I remember thinking like you can win a game in in the Eastern Conference and you probably get like half a game of space. But if you lose a game, you drop like three spots. And then <laughs> I remember thinking like the next day, the Bulls ended up losing the game and they fell from sixth to ninth. And that and that's kind of what's happened to the what has happened to the Bulls as of late is they're playing in a jumbled up Eastern Conference where if you win one game, it's not really that rewarding. You get maybe a half a game of space. And then but if but if you lose a game, you drop three spots. So <laughs> so if you win a game, you just you know, you just have you just gotta hope two of the other teams in front of you lose, and pretty much you you move up the ladder in no time in the Eastern Conference. It's it's, it's a really tight it's a really tight battle in the East, but it's also really tight out out West as well. But this is a bull segment, so we'll keep it on the <laughs> we'll keep it on the Eastern Conference side of things for the, for the for the time being. But right now, after seeing the game against the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers last night, I really just wanted to uh, do a quick thoughts on the bull segment because. I just wanted to address some some of my some of the things that have been on my mind as of late. I thought the um, four games at the time going into the All Star break would would have been a great measuring stick stretch for the Bulls because at that time they were slated to play Phoenix. The game against Toronto got postponed because of COVID, and then they played Denver, who I thought they played pretty tough, and then they and then they beat the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. And for me at the time, I thought that was a really good measuring stick for the Bulls going into the All-Star break because it was a chance for them to go up against pretty much either teams that I, I, I personally feel are level to them in terms of climbing up the ladder or teams that are all are, excuse me playoff caliber teams. Like the New Orleans Pelicans, I, I think they're a team on the rise in the Western Conference, kind of about the same level as the Bulls. And, if, and in my opinion, I think they have more firepower considering they have two all-stars in Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. But then when you think about the other two teams, the Phoenix Suns, one of the top teams in the Western Conference behind all-stars Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and star on the rise DeAndre Ayton, and a team full of a lot of good role players like Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson. Frank Kaminsky's been playing pretty well as of late. Then a team like Denver with MVP candidate Nikola Jokic. And to see the effort the Bulls put forth against those teams where they played up to those to the competition. Where they played up and they, they looked they looked like okay, the Bulls belong to be an all-star team. All-star, I'm, I'm still stuck in the all-star mindset. 
They belong, they belong to be a playoff team. Deserve to be a playoff team. Got to move forward. Let's look forward to the playoffs. <laughs> but the Bulls, I thought they played Denver pretty tough. They had a big win against New Orleans, despite the fact that I thought near the end of that game they let they maybe took the foot off the gas. And then to see them come out of the All-Star break to go up against Philadelphia, the top team in the East, I thought, you know what, this could be another good measuring stick game, as could the game that they're going to have tonight against the Miami Heat, the defending Eastern Conference champions, who's been playing pretty well, now that they're starting to get healthy again. And to see the Bulls go up against Philadelphia last night and come out of the, come out of the All-Star break with some of the same issues, such as still, still trying to figure out who's going to be the main big man in this lineup. Although Wendell Carter has the starting spot, you can argue the Bulls' faith has kind of the Bulls' faith has kind of wavered on him a little bit. The questions have come in the backcourt, excuse me, in the, off the bench, like what's going on with Luke Cornett, Daniel Gafford. I think Daniel Gafford is a good fit for the Bulls. I think he's a better fit for the Bulls because personally, Luke Cornett. Doesn't really do it for me interior. Not not really a fan of him on the interior defense, which is a place where the Bulls really struggle. Wendell Carter, once again, I think he's very resilient on the defensive end, as he is on the offensive end. But he also has his nights where he gets bullied and pushed around. Had it happen to him against Joel Embiid before before the All-Star break when the Bulls played Philadelphia. And he's been having this issue... Since he's come into the league, I, I can still remember the game, one of the first games he had against Minnesota. Carl Anthony Towns kind of just swung into him, knocked him out the paint. And in year three, year three, Wendell is still having some of those same issues on the defensive end. Wendell can get his off, he can get his buckets on offense, but in in the game last night, I can I, I can recall Stacey King saying. Wendell's kind of just out there. He needs to sometimes look for the ball. And actually, I agree with that. Because it appears that the missing piece for the Bulls on the offensive end is that they need somebody on the interior to sort of hold down, sort of hold down the post while Kobe White and Zach Levine kind of swing around on the wings. Now, you could look at Lowry marketing. But Lowry Markkinen has been playing more as a stretch big man. He had a very good game last night in his first game back from injury. But when you're talking about the Bulls, the biggest problem for them as of late has been their big man depth. And and a perfect perfect example would be the game last night against the Philadelphia 76ers. Dwight Howard. If he wasn't scoring or getting rebounds, he was setting screens, causing problems, stretching the Bulls' big men away from the basket, creating opportunities for his teammates. Tony Bradley, former member of the Utah Jazz, a lot of high pick and rolls, got to the rim, layups, dunks, easy baskets for him. You can look at the second half of the game last night. And this isn't just on the big men. This this is on the Bulls' perimeter defenders as well. Guys just getting blown by to the rim. Shaq Milton, Shaq Milton, Shake Milton, Malik Shake Milton (laughs) had a field day against the Bulls last night. Getting to the rim in the second half. Seth Curry, 
he had a pretty he had a pretty good first half. You don't really think of him as a guy that can take people off the dribble, but that's what he was doing in the game last night, knocking down the runners. Philadelphia was getting a lot of good production out of their backcourt. And, and a lot of these guys weren't really shooting the ball as they're known to, like Seth Curry. Furkan Korkmaz, he was hitting his threes, but he also was getting a lot of baskets, just cutting to the rim. Getting a lot of baskets, going off the dribble, maybe with a step up, with a stop, with a stop, <laughs> with a pull up on the stop and go dribble. And then knock down the jumper or stop on the dime dribble. I don't know why I couldn't get that one, but there you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was stopping on the dime with the pull-up. <laughs> but the point is, the Bulls' defense. I think the Bulls need an interior anchor. And honestly, this is really going to be a very conflicting... <laughs> as I go forward, this is really going to be a very conflicting edition of this segment. Because I really want to see what the Bulls can do with this core. Like this with this team because I'm enjoying watching Thaddeus Young sort of be the MVP of the Bulls. Maybe not 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 saying the best player, but when you look at the Bulls half court offense, often he's the table setter. They give him the ball on the angles or at the elbow, and the Bulls kind of swing off of him. Zach Levine either goes from the corner or they swing to the top of the key with pin downs, or they high pick and roll with him and Garrett Temple, him and Sato, him and Kobe White. I really want to see where this team can go. I, I'm not so much in the, speaking of Kobe White, I'm not so much in the camp that he can't be a point guard. I think Kobe White can be a point guard. I just think the Bulls need to work more, work more to his strengths in the in the half court. Because in the game last night, I thought he, he had some pretty good reads against Philadelphia where the, where the floor was spaced and then he would sort of drive and kick. Kobe White is more of a drive and kick assist man. He's not... You're not, you're not really looking to him to sort of set the table, but at the same time, he's in his second year in the league. Like, he's still developing. Give him give it some time. Like, give it a minute. I think Garrett Temple, Tomas Sadoransky, I think, they, I think they've been providing good examples of that for him. Not to say that Chris Dunn didn't, because I thought Chris Dunn did last year as well. But I think those two guys having more experience especially Sadoransky having playing over having played played overseas and also being an international star and Garrett Temple who's who's bounced around the league been in a lot a number of different NBA locker rooms I think they have more experience and they can sort of help him I guess adjust because you got to also remember Kobe White in his second year in the league is also playing under his second head coach so he so you got to also figure that into keep that into the equation as well so I think right now I think he's got he's got good examples of veteran leadership behind him along with a more experienced head coach that kind of has has more of a mind for today's NBA as you can see with the Bulls playing to pace in their offense. However, playing to pace it's a good look for the Bulls because they have the young legs. But I remember saying this on one of these segments a few months ago at the same time the Bulls can't outgun everyone. And that really comes into effect when they play teams like Boston, when they play teams like the Lakers, teams like the Clippers, basically the top teams in the league that we've seen them go head-to-head against, but come up just a little bit short because 
Maybe they didn't just have they maybe they just didn't have enough that night. Whether that whether that be injuries, or whether that other team just wasn't missing, <laughs> because you could point to some of those losses to Phoenix and Denver, and you know some of the other losses they had right before the All Star break. To before the All Star break, to maybe they just maybe if they would have had Lowry Marketing or Otto Porter, they would have won that game. You could also point to games like Boston, where it was like, all right, they played well, but Boston just wasn't missing either. Where games were like, all right, they played the Lakers tough, but you know, a few bounce balls go the right way. Maybe they pull that one out. Sometimes it goes. Sometimes that's how the game works. But in a game, a game last night against Philadelphia, where they did not have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, who were out because of COVID nineteen protocols, and to see the Bulls lose by twenty two points. Despite a good, despite a great effort from Lowry Market, he had twenty three. He had twenty three in his return. Zach Levine nineteen points. By the way, salute to Zach Levine. Great showing in the All Star game. He had thirteen points. I was happy to see Zach. I was happy to see a Bull in the All Star game, man. It's just, you know, I mean, I, I grew up a Bulls fan, so to see, you know, all these years of, of, of like the Bulls not having an All Star, just it's a little odd to me, but. Salute to Zach Levine, man. So now he, so that's Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah, Luau Dane, and Zach Levine. I feel like, and Jimmy Butler, yeah. I, I was like, I feel like I was forgetting somebody. That's all the Bulls All-Stars I've seen in my lifetime. Horace Grant and BJ Armstrong, too. And I feel like I might be missing somebody else. But, <laughs> but anyway, salute to Zach Levine on the All-Star appearance. And I would have thought that that would have... You know, had him a little bit more fired up coming out of the All-Star break. You know, he had a great, you know, to go to the All-Star game, have a solid showing. But, you know, the Bulls go up against Philadelphia. And they end up falling short and end up getting blown out. And Philadelphia really just continued to expose some of the major holes in this Bulls, in this Bulls, in this Bulls lineup. Which is their defense. Which is the issues that the Bulls have with defense. Some of the issues they have. With their big man depth, I'm not so much on the on the half court offense needing a point guard bandwagon because I th- I thought the Bulls looked good in the half court offense against at, at parts against Philadelphia last night, especially in the first half. I just feel like they got to a point where they got down in the game late in the uh, second half last night, so they just started trying to play catch up, and it just didn't work out. But moving forward. With the with the NBA trade deadline coming up on March the twenty fifth, and obviously this Bulls team, the, they clear either they, you know they they clearly need some help on the interior. But once again, I said this was going to be very conflicting. I I'm I'm not so much on the train. I, I I'm not so much on the train of wanting to see the Bulls really be active at the trade deadline because I feel like. That means that they may have to move Thaddeus Young. Now I know the Bulls. There have been reports that the Bulls have said he's off limits, and I was happy to hear that because, personally, with my thoughts on Thaddeus Young, I I like what he's done for the Bulls. He he provides that veteran leadership into that locker room as this team tries to move forward. And honestly, I would like to see the Bulls actually try to extend him out to 2023, if possible, because I know he's under contract to 2022. And try to keep him and Zach Levine, and also there's a, that's the next move get him extended. And then you have the uh, fork in the road with Lowry Marketing, who will be a restricted free agent. But the issue, or maybe not the issue with Lowry Marketing, 
the, I guess the wild card for the Bulls in the Lowry marketing or the leverage for the Bulls in the Lowry, the Lowry marketing situation is Patrick Williams, who's becoming more aggressive in his offensive abilities. Really started looking for his own shot in the game last night against Philadelphia. So maybe drafting him number four, number four in this past year's draft. Maybe that gives the Bulls leverage with Larry Market. Kobe White. I feel like he I feel like he could be the point guard. Even though I'm I'm one of those people that doesn't really believe in like I, I think we go into positionless basketball route. So to me, I'm not necessarily sure what point guard means anymore. When I watch LeBron lead when I when I've watched LeBron lead the league in assists last year, and I see Nikola Jokic pretty much playing playing point guard for Denver. <laughs> And I've seen Giannis be the primary ball handler for, for Milwaukee. I think, I think you just need a lead facilitator. And I think Kobe White can be the lead facilitator. I think he'll need to become more of a floor general. You know, but I feel like that comes with time. I feel like that just comes with time. He's only in his second year in the league. I just feel like, I just feel like the, the pressure on Kobe White comes from the Bulls because comes from the Bulls having a new regime. So now fans now want to see the Bulls. And I know myself included sometimes can get caught up in this, being a Bulls fan. They just want to see the Bulls win now, but it still takes time. Because when you look at this Bulls roster, a lot of these guys that are on the team likely won't be here next year. Garrett Temple, one-year deal, free agent. Denzel Valentine, one-year deal, free agent. Ryan Archidiakono, player option. Daniel Gafford, he has a team option that is not necess- that's not guaranteed. That's non-guaranteed. I believe actually I think his option was picked up for next year, but I believe it's non-guaranteed or something like that. Lowry Marketing, restricted free agent. Otto Porter, free agent. A lot of these guys likely won't be here next season. So the Bulls do have a lot of contracts that they can move, but they're also on a lot of guys that are Deep down in their rotation. Luke Cornett, another guy, likely won't be here next season because he's a free agent. Cristiano Felicio, free agent. All of these guys that I'm naming are deep down in the ro- in the rotation. So my point is it's hard for the Bulls to really get a lot of value or solid value for a key rotation piece in, re- in return for a lot of those guys that I just named. So that's why I'm so that's why I'm more in the train of let, let's just kind of ride it out with this team and let those contracts fall off the books. However, like I said, I was going this is going to be a very conflicting segment. I also kind of want to see the Bulls make a play for either Andre Drummond or LaMarcus Aldridge. And personally, <laughs> personally, I think Andre Drummond is the best rebounder in the NBA right now. The man has won four of the last five rebounding titles. And I think he was actually on pace to win this one before he before he started sitting out in Cleveland. However, I think LaMarcus Aldridge is more realistic. And I also kind of want to see the personally want to see the Bulls right that wrong. <laughs> Rewrite that wrong of, of, of trading LaMarcus Aldridge <laughs> when they drafted him in 2007. San Antonio, I'm, I think San Antonio is gonna is supposed to buy him out. If they haven't already, and if that's the case, if San Antonio buys him out, I think the Bulls should try to make a play for him, make a move for him, try to pick him up. 
Try to right that wrong. Bring them in. They they definitely can help. I don't know. I don't know how practical it is, but if it's possible, that's what I would like to see in a perfect world. I would like to see the Bulls right that. First off, in a perfect world, I'd like to see the Bulls get get Andre Drummond, but I don't think that I don't think that's gonna happen. Or in a perfect world, the Bulls never stop winning the NBA championships, you know. But you know, we're not. You know, I can't do that. I'm an analyst, so but <laughs> unbiased analyst. But if possible, I would like to see the Bulls get Andre Drummond. But if I'm being realistic, I, I think more, it's more realistic to see LaMarcus Aldridge. Some other guys that are on the market, Harrison Barnes, Sacramento. He's He's been uh, linked to Boston, though. But, I mean, look into it. Like, it's, re- it's really hard. It's, it's really hard to really gauge what the Bulls are going to do right now. When you see this team that has a push... They have a chance to make a push for the playoffs. And honestly, I kind of want to see them continue to push for make that push for the playoffs. And then, then see what they can do in the offseason. You have a lot of contracts that'll fall off the books. You know, just kind of let let that let those fall in and go from there. Or become buyers and try to make a big play, make a big play at the trade deadline. I don't. I just really don't see. I don't really see the Bulls as sellers because when you think about the guys the Bulls could really move. I mean, Lowry, marketing Otto Porter, maybe I could see them being key rotation pieces. But I think the injuries might have helped. Might have hurt their their trade stock a little bit. So it's just an interesting. It's just going to be an interesting. It's just going to be an interesting month here for the Bulls as as the month of March continues to push forward. Right now they're 16 and 19, 11th place. They are actually tied, but they don't own the tie, they they don't have the tiebreaker against Indiana. So Indiana has the uh tiebreaker over the Bulls right now for the 10th spot for the final uh play-in spot in the uh, NBA playoffs on the Eastern Conference side. And coming up tonight, the Bulls have the Miami Heat, the defending Eastern Conference champions, who've been getting back healthy. Jimmy Butler's been playing well. Bam out of bio. Could have been an all-star this year. But now, for the Bulls, you got the momentum of Zach Levine being an all-star. You've got a young, you've got a solid young core built around Zach Levine. I think, I think with he, Zach Levine, Kobe White. You've got Wendell Carter, but it also seems like Wendell Carter could be sort of, he could be a piece that could be movable for the Bulls, especially when you think back to around the draft, the rumors that he could have been traded to Golden State, so the Bulls could move up. I'm not saying I'm just going off of what I'm just going off of what I what I've what I've known to be fact what I know to be a fact. The re, there were reports that he was a possible trade piece to go to the Golden State Warriors around the draft. You also have to remember this is a brand new regime between between Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Mark Eversley, and also with head coach Billy Donovan. 
This is a Bulls team that is that looks to be playing the pace. But it is also a Bulls team that clearly needs some interior help. They need someone that could be a rim protector every night. Not not to diminish Wendell Carter, but he has his nights where he's not really the best rim protector. They need someone that can get it done on both ends of the floor. It's like it's like with Daniel Daniel Gafford, he protects the rim well, but you don't get you don't get the same offense. I thought he was starting to improve a little bit before the uh before being taken out the lineup, but he also has his issues of foul trouble. Luke Cornett can shoot the ball, but he struggles defending. Wendell Carter, I think he's the Bulls' best big man, other than Thaddeus Young, right? Other than Thaddeus Young this season. But in terms of supposed supposed to be the rim protector, I think he's the Bulls' best bet. And he has his struggles on a nightly basis. So just looking at the writings on the wall, I don't I don't have any inside facts. I don't know anything. I'm just I'm just looking at the right I'm just looking at what I see on the court. And I'm just looking at I'm just looking at the reports and the writings on the wall. But when you look at the Chicago Bulls, it's clear. They have something. They have a young core that they can build around, but they also have some major issues to address. Such as their interior, such as their interior defense, or actually defense all around. They're playing. They play the pace on offense. They can score, but they got to learn. They got to defend. They need help in terms of interior depth if they're going to make that next step in the Eastern Conference. And now they're in a position where they could either ride this thing out with the team they have for the 2021 season, or they could try to make a move at the trade deadline. It's an interesting time here. It's a fun time in Chicago. At least I think it's a, it's a time it's a good time to be optimistic if you're a Bulls fan. At least for me it is. I can only speak for myself. If you agree with me good for you, if you don't, you don't. I mean, I don't, you know. <laughs> but I'm going to wrap it up for this segment of the World Class Hoops podcast. Once again, you can catch the World Class Hoops podcast on Twitter at WCHP Media. Also available on Facebook at World Class Hoops Podcast. You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at KingRouse21, K-I-N-G-R-O-U-S-E-21. And once again, this has been another Thoughts on the Chicago Bulls segment. Until next time, you all be safe. Wish you all positive energy. And we'll, be, and we'll, and we'll see how things play out for the Chicago Bulls moving forward. Until next time, you all be safe out there. Positive energy on all of you.